Well, guys, would you give a warm welcome to Randy Dunn? Um, he's here with us this morning. Uh, he's part of a reload. And uh, Randy Dunn is my spark plug, my spiritual spark plug. So uh, I'm just going to turn it over to him. Randy, take it over. Thank you, Engine. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Hey, this is nice. This looks newer. See, there's some guys you invite and there's some you wish you didn't. It's like being at your house for the Super Bowl and somebody shows up and you're like, hi. Um, so uh, let me just give you a little skinny because I know I want to get this going and I know you guys need to be out. Um, let me give you an up update what's happening. Uh, May 22nd, 23rd, I've been wanting to do this for about five years. Leadership training, teaching with youth ministries of youth pastors, three years in the ministry and less, to just do some training on the difference between servanthood leadership. I think there's something that's been lost in our generation of teaching. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be a pastor, but there's very few that want to serve. Now, I'm, I'm just speaking from my heart. It's all I know how to do. And, and uh, so I've been watching it for years. I've had thir I have 35 years now ministry with young people, millennials, whatever. And God's on the road. We're in our 11th year already as a, an evangelist. I can't believe that as we get older. <laughs> but um, it's really cool because but I'm watching like a lot of people want to be leaders. Everybody wants to be a leader, leader, leader. But there's not enough uh, Indians. There's too many chiefs. And the problem is, is we've losing, we're losing the training of servanthood. The Bible says to be the greatest in the kingdom is to be a leader and to be a king among people. And when you establish that in your lives, then you know that servanthood is secondary. And if you're nodding, you don't know the scripture. Because the scripture says the greatest in the kingdom is a servant. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And he began to wash his disciples' feet and he began to lead them in servanthood. And so we launched May 22nd, 23rd. We launched the Randy Don Academy. It's been about five years in my heart. It's going to start. We got the Hyatt Hotel. We have the conference room. I'm inviting the first 20 to 25 youth pastors, multi-denominationally, three years of ministry and under, and the entire bill is on me. I have people that are investing in us right now for this academy. They said, we've been waiting. We know you do it inner city through the golf tournament. We know you do the schools through the golf tournament. Now we want to be a part of your education ministry. And it's just to train. I have four different workshops going to happen. We have a great dinner. I have a guest speaker coming from um, over in the Gross Point area that's been through a lot. In fact, one of these days, i got to have this guy come and just share his testimony. It's an amazing story of a person that had dyslexia and, and, and educationally a misfit and how God totally changed his entire life. And he's brilliant. He's just a brilliant person because somebody, somebody showed him Christ and somebody gave him hope. So that, we're going to be launching that in May 22nd, 23rd. So keep that in prayer as we do that. And so let me start this because there's been so many different messages on guardrails. I was like trying to get away from the, 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 the sermon guardrails because we're supposed to all have them in our lives. We're supposed to be protective for us and they're supposed to move us and we're supposed to be generated by that. And I heard somebody just recently did a message on it. I think it may be even Pastor Dwayne. Uh, recently when I was traveling. So, but I want to talk about guardrails. I was traveling. My, my father-in-law just passed away December 1st, 16 years ago, December 1st. And um, we, we decided to take my mother-in-law to my dad's, my father's 80th birthday. 
And so we had to go to Pennsylvania, which is six and a half hours, and you have to go through Ohio. How many people know that, that route? you got to go through Ohio all the way through <laughs> past Youngstown and then down into Pennsylvania from 80 to 76. And so as we're traveling, I hit right around Cleveland. I said to my wife, I said, let's get off. I, I'm just, I just want to get something. Let's, I'm going to get a piece of pizza at Sparrow's. Now, I, my wife is a workout queen, and so when you say something about pizza or something junky, she's like, no, let's stop and get bananas, and let's stop and get I said, you get the banana, I'm getting the pizza. Okay, so um, my, my mother-in-law is with us. Her husband just passed. We thought, let's get her out. Let's go to see my dad and my family so they can love on her and comfort her. And I have my two little schnauzers with me, my little Rocky and my little Dino, and they're in the car, and they're strapped in, and we're going. We hit, it was in uh, right around December, we hit a patch of, of black ice. My wife gets in and says, let me drive. I says, all right, I'll let you drive. Let me eat, and you can drive. And God, I don't know what happened, but she hit black ice, and we spun three lanes over, one lane, two lane, three lanes. Now, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how the grace of God kept us from not dying. But when we were all first on the road, there, you know how Ohio is. There's traffic everywhere. And we hit this black ice. And there's nothing. There's nobody around us. But we spun once, twice. And then we go over and then banquet backwards. Backwards. Now, we're going at a speed where she tried to slow down. But now we're sliding. This was one of these rides like at Disney World. No, you had to be in this to see this. It was like, what are we doing? And nobody's like, oh, my God, oh, Jesus. You know, everybody was like, all right, all right, whatever. You know, oh, God, this is cool. We, Lori, just let go of the wheel and let it happen. So we let go of the wheel. And, and I just said, we can't stop it now because we'll flip. And, and so, you know, nobody's paying it. My mother-in-law's in the back like, in the name of Jesus, in the name. You got to know my mother-in-law. And so, because I thought she'd be spazzing out like, no, everything comes in three. We're going to die. And I was like, don't say it. And so we, we hit this patch of ice, go down. We go backwards over in the back. We slide, we slide for like 50 yards. This, this is the truth. We're knocking things over. We're hitting all kinds of brush and everything. And all of a sudden, we hit this little sapling. And it's like, and the car stops. And it, we're looking around. Everybody okay? Everybody okay? Everybody okay? And everybody's looking around. And my dogs have attacked the pizza. Because what happened was, the pizza was off. When I put it on top, when she started sliding, I put it on top of the dash. And it's like, one of those slow motion, like, no. And the pizza's flying, and it goes over into the back seat, and the both dogs are like, they could care less what was happening. They're attacking the pizza. And <laughs> we hit this sapling. The car stops. And I was like, everybody okay? Yes. We dial 911. We get to uh, Allstate there. They come, and this guy comes like Billy Bob, and he's got this, this uh, jack and everything in this tow truck, and he throws it down. He pulls us up. He takes a big wrench, and he fixes the front fender, and we continue to go to Pennsylvania. I was on the road. I saw tons of guardrails that I thought, God, we could have hit the guardrail to protect us a little bit from this, but there was no guardrail at that moment. There was nothing to save us from going over that bank. There was nothing to save us from sliding 50 yards. And I thought, God, what lesson can I learn in this? And God's like, there's times in life where you're going to pass certain guardrails and then there is no return. And there's going to be times in your life where you're going to wish there was a guardrail and they're not going to be there. And by the grace of God, nobody got hurt. It just had to pay to get the front fender fixed. I made all the way six hours to Pennsylvania to see my dad for his birthday. Guardrails are on purpose. There's a purpose why they have guardrails. And if anybody knows anything about Pennsylvania, thank God there's guardrails. No, there's some mountains that 
you're going down these S turns in Somerset and the Breezewood, and man, you're, you think you're Mario Andretti. You're trying to cut the corners to try to, but you hit a patch of ice and you're going over the mountain if there's no guardrail. Three things that you cannot live without. You cannot live without hope. You cannot live without faith. And you cannot live without prayer. You will never be the difference until you allow guardrails in your life. I look around these tables and I look at what, what is guardrail? Guardrail is a separation. It's set apart, no common lifestyle. That's a guardrail. There's a separation. It's set apart, no common lifestyle. So in other words, what culture is trying to teach us, if we don't have guardrails, gentlemen, every week I've been, I've been loving what's happening, but every week we're talking about checking out your spirit and knowing what's in your heart and knowing what's in your life and are you on track and are you on track in your home and at work and are, are, you, or are you on the computer and you tell people you're doing good and you, you lie and you cheat and you still steal things in, in maybe not material but in your mind. We have affairs of the mind. I, I, I get sick of that term. Is like, well, where's, what happened to Pastor so-and-so? Or what happened to the person who was in a church? Well, they had an affair, but in the mind. How many know the affair in the mind is sin? It just happens. So my question to you is, where's your guardrails? You sit around these tables, and we have brand new people to come for five weeks. We give them a book, and it's like, man, we didn't just give you a book. These are books to, like, take notes, books to have devotions, books to, to just be able to experience God as your moments and the nuggets God gives you. But what guardrails do we have around us? It's a system designed to keep something from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Guardrails. So if you can start playing, I'm going to show you some guardrails like in Pennsylvania, um, this wall right here, this is amazing. It comes from Route 70 going towards West Virginia, and they used to have this wall up, and this wall is ridiculous because it's literally a complete horseshoe. And if there's rumble strips, and if you don't slow down and go at least 25 miles an hour around this thing, as you can see, it's been beat up pretty bad. That thing is no longer there. They just built a brand new bridge that's a little bit straighter, and so you don't have to be like, ah! I have a nephew that hit this wall at 110 miles an hour. And he lived. Higher than a kite, crack cocaine. They said when they brought him in, he broke almost every single bone in his body. Somehow he stayed alive. And he's, he's around. And I married him off five years ago to my niece. So he came into our family. But Rich on a motorcycle hit this wall. So at 110 miles an hour, you're like, shut up, dude. There's no way. No, he was so high. When he hit it, it, it actually hit the wall, and it threw him. Like it took him around. It was almost like a pinball thing. It just threw him around. And he says, all I know is I hit the wall, but I was in the air about 150 feet later. But they say that if he didn't hit this wall, like he'd still be going to Guatemala. Like <laughs> he'd still be flying only God knows where. So that wall, even though he was crazy, somehow it protected him. How many follow me? And here's the crazy thing about this whole nine yards is sometimes we get this is uh, to create a useful barrier in order to protect us from potential danger. So what are some of the guardrails we have in our life? So think about it. What, what are some of the guardrails in your life? Just name something. So what's a guardrail in your life? Church. Reload. Your wife. 
Friendships. Prayer. Government. No, okay, government. I yeah, go there. Government and God. There you go. Speed living. Holy Spirit. Bible. Anybody say wife? One. Anybody say coach? Pastor? Teacher? Leader? <laughs> table leader? Because they're, they're guardrails. Friends are guardrails. Listen, I have nephews and nieces that are guardrails. I have uncles that are guardrails. I have people in my life that not just try to, to, try to avoid them, but to confront the things that are in my life. They're there to protect us. They're there to show us. And I know sometimes we get this attitude like we know it, but there's things we don't know. And there are people that are set in our lives that are trying to hold us back from the biggest mistakes we could ever make. And they're saying you can avoid that mistake if you allow us to speak into your lives. The problem is our guardrails are speaking, but sometimes we're not listening. The goal should never be to see how close we can get to the guardrail without crashing, but rather to respect their presence, keeping a safe distance from veering off too far in the wrong direction. How many of you have ever said, man, I'm glad you're here because I'll tell you, I was going down a path that nobody can say that? Let me tell you something. Uh, raised in my home, I, I just I love my parents. I buried my father well. After we went to see my father's birthday in December, I told you my father-in-law died in December. Six months later, my dad died. So I lost both of my, my father-in-law and my father within six, seven months. He was a guardrail in my life, but not at first. He was a traffic jam. <laughs> How many of you know people that are more traffic jams than they are guardrails? Like, he didn't speak life into my life. My man was telling me I'm too slow, not good enough, not. But I had a godly mother. I still have a godly mother. Just turned 90. How many have a godly mother? Anybody have a godly mother? God-fearing, God-loving mother that became the biggest guardrail in my life. So when my father was rejecting me, my father was telling me, I could, come on, does this speak to anybody? See, here's the problem. We have fathers that have so spoken into our lives that we're damaged. We're damaged. And God says, I'll bring a God sent to erase that and to cleanse that and clean that through the Holy Spirit called Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the Creator, that changes us. But then we still say, I'm depressed. I don't know if I can make it. But you got Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about psych psychologically. Don't go there because somebody's going to walk out of here going, what's he talking about? I'm talking about when you have an epiphany with God, he's the ultimate guardrail. Through the blood of Jesus that transforms me and changes me, I can't keep looking back. I remember a message one time preached that the children of Israel, listen, they kept complaining like, let us go back to Egypt. Let us go back because we had food and we had lodging. Yeah, we were treated like trash. So they still had an anchor. Come on, somebody. They still had an anchor in Egypt that they never pulled that tent peg. How, how many are with me? Finally, when they go into the promised land, somehow some of them ignorantly still continued to blame God every single time and Moses and others for bringing them this far, 40 years. And they kept complaining and kept wondering and kept looking. And God says, pull the tent peg. Pull it. Because you're the only one that can rescue you at that moment. You can have psych psychological help. You can have counseling. You know, your wife could keep telling you you're a champion. You're great. Come on, honey. But there's nobody going to get you out of that mentalness unless it's through the blood of Jesus that cleanses all. Come on. And your tables are there. 
There's guardrails around the whole table. And, well, we meet once a week or we meet every other time. We kind of do some things. Man, these tables need to be reconciliation. They need to be God in the presence of the circle at the core of that table. Are you catching me? And the thing is, when you in the pool, the guardrails, they start to speak to you. Guardrails. My mother, the Holy Spirit's sister, I don't care what anybody says, she was my guardrail. She used to tell me, I don't care what your dad says. My dad would beat me up. My dad would say stuff. I'd go in my room. I'd be like, man, I'm such a loser. I'm never going to make it. My dad doesn't even believe in me. My mom would come in and sit on that corner of the bed, and she'd be like, Strike all that. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Strike that. Don't put that in your spirit and get it out of your head. She would tell me, don't you put that in your spirit, get it out of your head. I'd be like, but she said, now. And she would begin to plead the blood of Christ over me in my mind. So in my mind, gentlemen, it's not so much our heart. Come on. It's our mind. But we don't allow enough guardrails around our mind to protect us, not only the word of God, but brothers in Christ. Hebrews chapter 3 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from a living God. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Don't let your heart be hardened. There's people trying to speak in your life, and you're like, oh, here we go. How many have that friend that when they begin to speak, some of you go like this, oh, no, not again. Anybody? Okay, you won't be honest. I will. I have people in my life that speak to me, and sometimes I'm like, oh, man. And then I've got to do an inventory. How many people ever do an inventory of your life? And you're like, okay, did I cheat this week? Did I steal this week? Did I lust? Oh, there it is right there. I messed up. Some of these guardrails you'll see as they keep looping, some of them are brand new. Some of them have not even been hit yet. But you're going to see others, man, they've been hit a lot. They've been hit a lot. And you know what's really cool is even though they're hit a lot, they're still there. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we get messed up with the elders in our life. Now, I'm 61. I just turned 61 a couple weeks ago, and I'm thinking, I never thought I was going to get to 61. And I used to think, those old people at 50 and 60. But some of you have so much wisdom, so much wisdom. Your life has been beat. Your life has been battered. You've gone through the storm. You've been rejected. You've lost your jobs, but you got a new one. Some of you have lost your wives, but you some of I'm just saying. Some of your children are wayward, and you've been beat up. How many know what I'm talking about today? Your, your guardrails seem so beat up, but let me say this to you. Stay in there. Stay in there, because here's the thing. You are the bumper that somebody's going to run into, and you're going to save their life through the blood of Jesus because you've endured the storm. You are the guardrail that's been battered, beaten. And sometimes it's like, God, I didn't deserve this. God says, man, let me tell you something. Everybody deserves it, but there's only one way out, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. The ultimate guardrail that I have to go to when I don't want to listen to my wife. Now I'm on video. Don't judge me. There's times you tune that wife out, you tune that help out, you tune that pastor out. Come on, somebody. Can we be honest? You know, I love what Benson does. He's like, man, I ain't leaving this. I know somebody here's got this and that, and all of a sudden, whoop, the leg grows, and it's like, oh, my gosh. It's a miracle. Like, we bring people to church. I used to tell my young people all the time, why do you bring your friends? Oh, we have fun. I'm like, that's why you bring your friends. 
I mean, I'm preaching, man. Bring your friends to find Jesus. Then when they get saved, it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> they got saved. I, I never expected them. It's like, why did you bring them? If we don't believe in a miracle, why do we go forward? If we don't believe that God has something special for every one of you, then why do we believe? And we hear this all the time. I ran into a guy the other day. I was in a restaurant, and I just saw this guy, and I said, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, are you okay? And he's like, well, who are you? And I said, it doesn't matter who I am. I just feel my spirit. You're not okay. And I want you to know that God loves you, and God can change this. And he goes, let me tell you something about God. He's not there. He doesn't exist. He doesn't hear me. He doesn't like me. I keep praying. Watch this. I keep praying for a miracle. I keep praying for something to happen. I said, do you also pray you win the lottery? Yes. I'm praying I win the lottery. I'm praying that my life, I, I need a new wife. I pray this. I said, wait a minute. Look how you're praying. You're praying already defeated, but you're asking God for so many things, but you're not waiting on God to give them to you. You're trying to resolve. That's why you're, I noticed your spirit today. How do you know that? I said, because spirit talks to spirit. But we're afraid to because you know what? We're in our own stinking world, and we don't want to minister to anybody else unless they sit at our table. But then even when they're sitting at our table, we say, what was your name again? Uh, you've been here for five weeks. we got a book. Oh, oh David. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to know there's like three Davids today. I'm just telling you, to not really know David after five or six weeks is your sin. It's your fault. We come into the presence of God, we ask God, we even beg God. Then we say, oh, God, when a miracle happens, it's like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Well, what? Guardrails. Guardrails are important. Watch this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16. Making the most of every opportunity. There's three things you'll never get back in life. Never. I can't believe it's already February 4th. You'll never get back time, opportunity, and words. How many of you have spoken something? You're like, oh, man. And then somebody holds you accountable. Like my dad. Dad, I, my dad was dying. I said, Dad, listen, I, I love you, man. I know there were times where you called me idiot, no good, and stupid, and a fool. And so on his deathbed, he begins to apologize to me. I almost said in my spirit, it's a day late and a dollar short. How many have ever, don't judge me, how many have ever been there? But you know what? When you begin to li live and, and listen to these words that the devil throws at you, because they're not God's words. God's words, you're a winner. You're triumphant. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things. You are great in God. You are power in God. You are, have authority in God. When you hear those words, you know that's coming from God. When you hear words like lazy, no good, you're a bum, you're a loser, where's that coming from? It comes from the enemy, and then it begins to destroy us. And so what happens is we start to believe those words, and we forget about the guardrails in our life that are saying, you're awesome. Listen, I've been beat up before. I was told I was a loser, but you're not. I was told I was no good, but you're not. You are great. I was told that I'll never make it, but you can make it. See what I'm saying? There's the giving back. So men that are a little bit older in, in our lives, we're a little bit older in age, start to live those words. Words that are prosperous and powerful for the name of Jesus. Be very careful, making the most of opportunity, every opportunity, because the days are evil. We live in a sick culture. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Then it goes on something that I'm telling you, I look at, and I'm thinking, God, what happened to Grand Rapids? Now, you might not agree. You might be one of those people, and that's fine. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. I don't care if it's one glass. I don't care if it's one beer. But when you start to exceed, I'm just going to say it. You got problems. Something crazy is going to happen. And we're going to blame God, but it's not God. People keep warning us. People keep telling us. We have all these institutions that are trying to help us, and we don't listen to it because we got this. Come on, friends. Guardrails. Do you feel like currently, two, two things and I'm going to finish. I got two, two, five seconds. Do you feel like currently you have the guardrails in certain areas in your life? In other words, are there times when you do things that make your internal alarm go off and to tell you it's time to get back up? Or, because if you do, how do you typically respond when the internal alarm goes off? You know, I keep thinking this movie Groundhog Day. I, they showed it at the Super Bowl. Five million dollars for that stupid commercial. Bill Murray, right? And he sees the Jeep or whatever that was, Renegade, right? And now he's changed. He's like, oh, it wasn't a girl this time in a, in, a, in a cafeteria. How many of you remember Groundhog Day? All of a sudden it gets out. And it's like, hey, Bob. He's back in the Renegade. And he's driving around with the Groundhog. How many seen that? Okay, so what I'm saying is we are still stuck in that, re that type of reoccurrence in our life. And we're like, God, where are you? And God says, listen, man, I have been there the whole time. I have sent people to you. It's like the guy that, that drowns and goes to heaven, okay? The boat comes, he misses it. The helicopter comes, he misses it. The tugboat comes, he misses it, he dies, go to kingdom. Where were you, God? And he says, well, I sent you a helicopter, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a tugboat. Where were you? See how we blame God? We blame God when our guardrails are really the ones speaking in our lives, but we'd rather hear what somebody else says than we would those who are trying to protect us. Do we have personal guardrails? And I'll just finish with this. The Pro Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I mean, that scripture right there ought to keep you straight. Who are you hanging with? What are your guardrails? How are they protecting you? When I went back, I go back a lot to Pennsylvania. When I go back and I see the gap in the guardrail where my wife and I hit around Cleveland, and we went backwards and we went, sometimes there's times where I'll pull off the road, put my hazards on, and I'll go down and look. Everything's grown up since then, but I'll never forget the area. And it's an area always that reminds me of where the guardrail was not. Come on. Sometimes in our lives, we need to go back to see the guardrails in our life. No, some of you need to do an inventory of remembering if I didn't have this here, I would not be sitting here. Friends, I'll say it again. Pastor Tom knows the reason for reload is to establish guardrails. And to be honest enough, it's not just the men around your table. It should be the families around your table. Because when you start to cover the blood of Jesus for families, that wayward son or daughter that's talked around your table will come to Jesus Christ. That wayward mother-in-law that everybody thinks is nagging, that keeps telling you about Jesus, but they're a nag, you better start paying attention to. Because that could be the greatest guardrail in your life.
The pastor that keeps preaching from the pulpit and we get stuck on all they want is money. All they want is numbers. We're not listening to the message. You're avoiding guardrails. When you start to listen to others and the Dr. Phil's and the other ones is going to give you all the knowledge that you need or you're reading other books than the Word of God, you're reading other books than just the Word of God and the Word of God's not your source, you're missing the major guardrail. For the Bible says that this Word will set you free. Father, this morning I thank you in the name of Jesus for guardrails. I thank you, God, that we have them in our lives. I know that we have them on our roads. We're moving in and out of traffic. Some are moving faster than others. Some have lost. Some have lost sons and daughters. Maybe because there was no guardrail. Or by chance, an accident happened. And they're not here anymore. But they had the greatest guardrail, which was God. Even though they missed it on the road, and they've, they're gone home. They're in your kingdom today. Because there was not that guardrail to stop them physically. But your guardrail spiritually was always with them, and that's why they're in kingdom. God, today I'm asking you, will you surround us with your guardrails, the protections of your grace, the protections of your word? Lord, we will not avoid. And even if we keep bumping like bumper cars, and we keep smashing like, like we're at Mario Andretti, we keep going down the track, and we keep banking left, God, in the name of Jesus, help us to keep focused that that guardrail is trying to steer us back on the right road. In Jesus' name.